Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. If you, if you see me in this shirt or we just had a podcast, it's because I just finished recording the NFL podcast for Monday. If you're not up to date, every Monday I'll be doing two podcasts now, an NFL show and then a, everything else in the world of sports, college football, uh, baseball as we head into the postseason, NHL that uh, fires up for the real thing next week, basketball, the works. So we'll do the works podcast and we'll do an NFL because the NFL normally takes up, you know, when I do an hour show, it takes up an hour. Uh, it, you know, that's all my Sunday basically is, is the NFL. And uh, but you know, so much happening this weekend in the world of baseball and, and elsewhere. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about as well. So we'll get into all of that and this other podcast that I record on Monday uh, this week, just for some programming notes. Uh, me and Seamus will be uh, recording our Breaking Bad podcast tomorrow, episodes six and seven from season four. Wednesday, Seamus will join me again, as well as Casey Ward. We'll do a full NHL season preview show. We'll go through the divisions. We're going to give our top 10 best players in the game right now. Talk about teams we're excited to watch, players to look out for. Should be a fun show. So go for that one. That'll be some point on Wednesday, so that'll be available Wednesday night, Thursday morning for all of you guys. And uh, so that's what the week looks like um, here on To The Point. Now, when it comes to the world of sports, I don't like to make big declarations. Uh, I don't like to say, I don't like to admit I'm wrong. I'll admit that. But a few, about a month ago, the Toronto Blue Jays were playing the Oakland Athletics on a Friday night. And they were down 8-1. And they came back and beat the Athletics 10-9 on a walk-off homer. And a lot of Jays fans thought this was, be- this was going to spark a run to the postseason. And for a while, it sure, like, it sure looked like it was going to. Because they at, at times, they had the first wild-card spot. They were in a wild-card position. But they went through their highs and lows, pitching pitching woes, some injuries, some inconsistencies from guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Boba Shett. and But they stayed in it. We saw the Yankees get huge leads, and they let it slip away. We saw the Red Sox you know, get that first wild card, but Seattle and the Toronto Blue Jays always stayed in the fight. But I said that Saturday morning after that podcast that if the Toronto Blue Jays made, you know, one – if they reach the postseason, I would apologize to everybody. I would say I was wrong, that the Blue Jays, you know, did it. Did something I didn't think they were capable of doing, and that's coming all the way back to making the postseason. Now, that brings us to this weekend, where the Blue Jays were involved in a playoff race until game 162. There's not much, as a fan, you can't really ask for much more. They gave you everything they had. This weekend, they faced, they got to face the Baltimore Orioles, and they destroyed the Orioles, decimating them in all three games, showing their prowess. Strong starting pitching from guys like Steven Matz, uh, guys like Alec Manoa really putting himself into that rotation spot next season, and you know, capping off great seasons from guys like Bo Bichette, Flagero Jr., and career seasons from a, you know, a second baseman and Marcus Simeon. But even though they swept the Orioles, they needed help along the way. And they did. Friday and Saturday, they got the Tampa Bay Rays who helped them a ton. The Rays destroying really the Yankees twice, especially Saturday winning 12-2 in a really a must-win game for the Yankees. And Red Sox winning both of their games. But it came down to the wire on, on Saturday, tight game, where they had to battle through tough situations in, in, the, in the ninth inning, came down to the ninth inning. So that brings us to Sunday. Gave 162, where the American wild card top spot and second slot are still wide open. All kinds of different algorithms, things that can happen. Blue Jays could make it, they, but they needed the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees to lose. So let's start with the New York Yankees. And I heard a lot of people online complain about this game where Yankees and Rays really played their heart out. You saw the Rays 
make big defensive plays, guys like Brandon Lau stretching out. We saw Gio Urshela, who's really been a fantastic piece for the Yankees, where he's now playing shortstop, naturally a third baseman with guys like DJ LeMahieu Hurt. He's just, he does whatever you need him to do. He's a Swiss Army knife, making fantastic plays. But it's a scoreless game, and they get to the bottom of the ninth. They have a guy on second, uh, first and third. That brings Aaron Judge to the plate. And I heard, well, you walk Aaron Judge. This is my beef with that. If I'm the Tampa Bay Rays, who have just dominated the New York Yankees this season, who have dominated them over the last number of seasons, if I could play the Yankees or the Blue Jays in a playoff series, I'd rather play the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees are either going to have great bats swinging or they're going to go ice cold. What happened this weekend? They were ice cold. They had a combined, I believe, five runs in this series. The Rays dominated the season series, and they didn't, they didn't need the win. The fact that it was that close was irrelevant. It was Blue Jay fans complaining about a team that's already got 100 wins, top team in the American League, crybaby type stuff. Maybe win a game before this weekend, and you wouldn't need all this help. But I digress. So Aaron Judge hits an infield single. They try to throw home. Tyler Wade beats the throw. The New York Yankees are going to the postseason. Aaron Judge's first career walk-off hit and a huge win for the Yankees. They're going to the postseason. Again, for those Jays fans, you have nothing to complain about, about this game. The Yankees do not owe you. I'm sorry. The Rays do not owe you any favors. Sometimes it's strategy. That's sports. It's a human chess game. If I'm Tampa Bay, I've had more success against the Yankees than the Blue Jays. So let's just try to process this in our brains. This is for tonight, okay? So we have a tough time against the Blue Jays. So, okay, we have a tough time against the Blue Jays. We don't win a lot. Or it's a tighter season series. Or we could play the Yankees, who we've dominated all year, we feel really good about them. Their pitching staff's not that great. Garrett Cole just got blown up the other day. So what should we do here? Blue Jays struggle. Yankees cakewalk. Uh, let's, you know, let's balance it out here. I'd rather play the Yankees. That's just common sense. And for all the Blue Jays fans on Twitter, and I know a few in this area, complaining about what the Yankees did when it comes to strategy or how uh, the Rays should have intentionally walked here and judge win a game before this weekend, then it's a non-factor. Maybe the Blue Jays, Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins set up a bullpen before August. Then you might win a game and you're in a better position. Don't cry over spilled milk. It's all that's done. Shut it. That brings us to, I might sound like a Blue Jays hater. That's not a Blue Jays hater. It's just a fact of life. Good show. Um, then we go to Nationals, Red Sox. Nationals open up a 5-1 lead. And we saw them chip away. Devers with a home run. Then we get a Verdugo gets a clutch double. We get hits from uh, Xander Bogarts. But Verdugo had the key hit in the seventh inning, ties the game at five. That brings us to the top of the ninth where the man who's got the best batting average with runners in scoring position in the entire major leagues, Rafael Devers, cranks a two-run shot to center. And that was the Blue Jays' season. It didn't matter that they dominated the Orioles, that they had a great September, that Bo Bichette was really emerging as a star. Now, I'll get to why it will matter long-term, I believe, but for all intents and purposes, this season became a wash. But it was... You know, it, it was a dominating performance. It, it, it was a, a Rafael Devers coming up clutch in a big moment. Aaron Judge, who was phenomenal in September, coming up clutch in a key moment. And with those two wins, it was the Blue Jays season and the Seattle season coming to a close. No game 163, no tiebreaker. But so before we get to the wild card game, which is what, you know, the mothership exactly the game they want tomorrow night. Let's look at the Blue Jays season. 
Now, normally I'm a guy that says, if you don't make the playoffs, there's not much you can look from it. I look at this team differently this season than, say, a Toronto Maple Leafs team that lost in the first round or a Colorado Avalanche team that lost in the second round last season. I, there's, there's different points of team's development where you got to look at them and say, what can you learn from this? The Colorado Avalanche losing to Vegas, I don't see a lot of learning. You're a team that should have won the Stanley Cup last year. In my humble opinion, you had the best team. You had Nathan McKinnon, a playoff performer. You had Grubauer, who was bought, who was a great net money. You had Kale McCarr. You had Ryan Grace, who's not going to be on the team this year. You had a loaded roster. The best team on paper in the NHL, in my opinion, and you lost. I don't see a whole lot. Of, I see it only as a disappointment. It's Stanley Cup or bust. They head into that season, this season with the same expectations, but I don't see a whole lot of growth you can take from that. But they're not, they're not a young team. They've been through these type of series. Now I look at these, this Blue Jay team. They're full of a lot of young players. And I believe that they get so close to that postseason, one game away, that this could be a real building block moment. And just juxtaposing it to a team in the same, their same city, you want them to take that Raptors approach and not the Leafs approach. The Raptors hit a wall for a number of years with DeMar, and Kyle, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, where they could never get past LeBron. So what did they do? They got better. They got the ultimate chess piece in Kawhi Leonard. They end up winning an NBA title, something nobody saw coming in the city of Toronto when it comes to basketball. But they did. The Toronto Maple Leafs have hit that wall and have done, in my opinion, nothing to help the team get better. They've only gotten worse over the years, and their key players have, haven't exactly played great in these big moments. So you got Vladdy, the fundamental piece at first base, likely going to finish second in MVP voting. You got Bo Bichette, who impressed me the most down the stretch. Throughout this year, I thought he was not that great of a player. At shortstop, I still have my worries about him defensively. But him swinging the bat, the swagger, the home run he hit um, Wednesday night in the bottom of the eighth, that showed me something. That was, a, that was a flair that you don't see a lot of. I think he can be the leader of this team for many, many years to come. You know, get 100 RBIs a season, get to 30, 35 home runs and hopefully get better defensively that he's not a liability. But I saw a lot from Bo Bichette that you're like, okay, I want that on my team. So check. Your third base is a whole. Kevin Biggio, I don't think is the answer long-term. Santiago Espinal is not the answer long-term. But you look around. Teoscar Hernandez led the team and runs batted in, not Vladdy Guerrero Jr. He had a phenomenal season. He's a guy you want for the long-term. He's a stud. You got Alec Manoa, who is going to cost you nothing for a number of years. He's a rotation piece, guaranteed. You have some pieces here that you can be proud of, but now is the time to strike. you got a young team. If you want to have that Houston Astros model, which, which it could be, they had, they had George Springer, who's on this team, who I think what the healthy season can still be as productive as he was in Houston. They have Altuve, you could argue, is Bichette and different body types, but I'm just looking at the fundamental pieces. Bregman, at, I think they're missing a Bregman, who's key, but Correa, you have some of these same building block type players that the Houston Astros used, whether they, they cheated or not, I don't care. It's a, guys are still great players. Look at them this year. They just won the NL West again. I, they should be the favorite in the American League, in my opinion. Um, so what do they do now? What was the fault this year of the Toronto Blue Jays team? Pitching. Starting pitching got better as the year got on. I mentioned Manoa. Robbie Ray is a free agent. Mark Shapiro, Shapiro, whatever the hell you want to be called because you changed your name. Stupid. Uh, Ross Atkins. This is put up or shut up time. It's called spend money. Robbie Ray is going to win a Cy Young. He's been phenomenal. Maybe he's a garbage can next year. I don't know. But this year he was 
fantastic. Him leaving cannot be an option. Marcus Simeon is likely going to leave, but I don't think that should just be, oh, Marcus is gone. Spend the dough. Teoscar makes no money. Vladdy makes no money. Bichette, they're all in these entry-level deals. Get rid of Gritchick. I don't like his salary either. Get rid of him. Find a team that, you know, do something with him. Give them a good prospect. Get Gritchick's money off the books. But it shouldn't just be, well, Simeon had a fantastic year for us, and we're just going to let him walk, hitting 44 home runs. No. Re-up him at second base. Bring Robbie Ray back. But it shouldn't just be stop sign there. It should continue to add. The Astros had a great foundation, but they had better pieces than the Blue Jays when it comes to pitching. They had Lance McCullers Jr. They had Charlie Morton. They had established veterans that can win games. So what do they do to go over the top? They go get a Justin Verlander. The Blue Jays, maybe you do that. Maybe it's at the trade deadline, but re-up your guys. It should be Manoa. It should be um, Ryu. Uh, Robbie Ray should be back. This isn't rocket science here. Maybe Nate Pearson can take a spot. You're hoping if he can find his game. I have my doubts. I really like him in the bullpen. I mean, you can have a bullpen arm that can throw, you know, a buck, a hundred on the gun. That's a nice luxury to have. You can throw him in the eighth inning and then throw it to Romano. That's, that's a nice little road. That's a nice, not a bad problem to have. So, but for me, the Blue Jays, you want to go with that Raptors model and push your team over the hump and not take that Raptors, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, Take the Raptors model, not the, the least model of just play around the edges and rely on the same players that never seem to get it done year over year. Make that big splash, add to this young core. But this great season, and they have a long off season. They were, this won't be a story until April. But next year is playoffs or bust for this Blue Jays team. Make, make that, just so everybody's clear. Missing the playoffs next year is not an option. You made the playoffs last year, 60 games, expanded playoff. Okay? Great. You miss out by a game. You can live with that, but you'd rather not. You want to fix that bullpen for sure. You want to add some pieces so that that's not – you can look back and say, oh, my God, if we only fixed this a week before, we wouldn't have missed the playoffs. Literally, a week before. You, you get a win in there. You, you're playing at least game 163, and then who the hell knows? But so you got to look at this and say, what? We've got to improve our bullpen. We've got to keep some players, add to our start, starting pitching depth. But it's playoffs or bust. It's not all hunky-dory, the young Blue Jays team, and they're fun to watch. Like, you only get that for so That's dead. That's over. And... Yeah, it's not going to be easy because you got the, the Rays are still going to be good. They just find a way, they, another 100 win season. They win the American League East and you know, the, the Red Sox by, a, by eight games in the division. Three teams from this division made the playoffs this year. The, the Red Sox were off the radar. People didn't think, they're, including myself, I didn't think they'd be this good, not by a long shot. But Devers had a fantastic season. Verdugo, who was involved in the Mookie Betts trade, has been a great find for the Red Sox coming back in that deal. Chris Sale coming back from Tommy John has been a good pitcher. And their pitching hasn't been great, but their bats have been there. Bogarts, Devers, J.D. Martinez when you need them, uh, Kyle Schwarber. So they've been there. And now it sets up the huge series between the Yankees and Red Sox at Fenway Park tomorrow night. And... This is exactly what the game's on ESPN. This is exactly what ESPN wants. They want that. They wanted this game. They don't want Toronto, Seattle. Like that's that doesn't do anything for them so far. And it looks like it's going to be Garrett Cole against Nathan Avaldi, the two aces for each team, which makes a whole lot of sense. And you know, 908 first pitch at Fenway. Of all these pitch in the playoffs, a time Garrett Cole has as well, including the World Series. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. You know, Evaldi has had Tommy John twice, but he's been the Red Sox best, most consistent pitcher 
this season. And Garrett Coles had, had his ups and downs, a lot of downs since, you know, the sticky stuff's really got um, been talked about. And it seems like it's hurt his game more than any other starting pitcher, maybe you Darvish in the game. So after coming off, he pitched last Wednesday. So he'll have a lot of off, you know, off days to get ready for this game. But it, baseball is all about pitching. But how many innings, I, I look at this so imperative for the Red Sox. How many innings can Evaldi give you? Because I don't love their bullpen. I like the Yankees bullpen more. For the Yankees, you could throw Garrett Cole. Hopefully Garrett Cole can give you six. And this is me being really nice. Back in, the, you know, even a few years ago. You're giving six or seven. I mean, Verlander was a stud. Garrett Cole is your ace. He should be able to give you seven innings tomorrow. Then you go to Chad Green. And then you go to Chapman and pray he can hold on. That, that should be your, your emphasis here. Now, if Garrett Cole doesn't give you a great day, I think Nestor Cortez is, is a starting pitcher that you could use. I mean, it's all hands on deck. That's what makes these wildcard games so interesting. Because starting pitchers will be in that bullpen. Because there's no tomorrow if you don't win. Yes, the winner of this game will play at the Trop against the Rays on Thursday. But guess what? There's no Thursday unless you win on Tuesday. So you're going to employ – it's fascinating the chess match and how these managers are going to play this. You have Kevin Cash. I saw you have uh, Alex Cora, who's back with the Red Sox after you know getting, getting fired due to the cheating scandal against Aaron Boone. And you got – for the Yankees – you know, you got to hope that Judge and Stanton's bats can continue to continue to fire. Stanton has had a really good September, as did Judge. But no DJ LeMahieu. Who can step up? I mentioned Gio Urshela. He's a great defensive player. He come up with a with a couple of big hits in this game. They're not going to have. I they might have Luke Voigt, maybe not. So that's a question mark. But you know, I'm really looking forward to this game. A great pitching matchup. And again, the winner will play at the trop against Tampa Bay on Thursday. So we'll see what comes of, of this matchup and who ultimately comes out on top um, Come uh, starting tomorrow night, 9.08, first pitch. Now, on day 162, game 162, the last game of the last games of the regular season, it wasn't just about the American League. There was still intrigue in the National League. We knew the St. Louis Cardinals are the second wildcard team. They are they were either going to Chavez Levine or going to AT&T Park in um, San Francisco. But with San Francisco losing an extra inning Saturday night with the Dodgers winning, it cut the lead to one game. So it meant if the Giants lost yesterday to the Padres and the Giant and the Dodgers beat the Brewers and sw- swept that series, they would play a game tonight, game 163, to decide the winner of the National League West, the two best teams in baseball. And... The San Francisco Giants, I think this beginning of the year over under was 75 wins. Uh, it was really, really low to see how many wins this team would have. And they just blew past it, being the best team in baseball, finishing with 107 wins, 107 and 55. And you look at it, just fantastic performances from guys like Logan Webb who gave up four yesterday, but he went seven innings. They ultimately get the win. Dominic Leone, a former reliever of the Cardinals and the Blue Jays, had a 151 ERA. Just a fantastic season. He pitched uh, 53 and uh, two-thirds innings. Just a stud for them this season. You've got guys like Kevin Gosman, who just found fire, you know, caught fire, was the ace of that staff. you got Evan Longoria, a veteran, who you know missed half the season but comes back. Brandon Crawford refining his game, Buster Posey doing what he does, Brandon Belt just being, you know, Wilmer Flores. But the Giants get the win. They beat the Padres 11-4. Dominic Leone gets the save, and they win the National League West. They're going to the postseason. Now, the Dodgers knew they were going to the postseason as well, but you talk about being in an unfair situation. The Dodgers finished second in the National League West, but in finishing in second, they also had the second most victories in baseball, 106. Six more than the third place Tampa Bay Rays and the Dodgers for winning 106 games. They get the pleasure of playing the 
St. Louis Cardinals on Wednesday night at Chavez Ravine. But the Cardinals have won 18 of the last 20 or 19 of the last 21. They are on a t- heater. And you talk about pitching. It's all about pitching in the playoffs, but these wildcard games are so great because you're going to see two veterans of the sport in 40 year old, um, 40 year old Adam Wainwright, former World Series champion with the Cardinals, 17 and seven this season, 305 ERA, go up against 37 year old Max Scherzer. World Series champion with the Washington Nationals, acquired the trade deadline, 15-4 and four with a 2.46 earn run average. What we saw out of Max Scherzer in the 2019 playoffs was stuff of legends. Strasburg ended up winning the World Series MVP, but Scherzer was huge in that. He, You just see the way Max Scherzer pitches, and you want to play well for him defensively. He just gives it all, every pitch. He throws everything he has at the kitchen sink in order to get wins for the Washington Nationals, and now the Los Angeles Dodgers not suffering a loss since coming over to the Dodgers going 5-0. and So this matchup, it's awesome. Wainwright, 40 years old, re-upping for one more season. Scherzer going to be a free agent after this season, coming over trying to win another World Series with the Dodgers. But for the Dodgers, getting 106 wins, it could be all over in one game. What if Scherzer's off? What if Wainwright just comes out? Both these pitchers, we talk about old school. I think both these pitchers could go six, seven innings because they're that good. Could be a very low scoring game. Now, I like the bats of the Dodgers more. You got guys like Corey Seager. You got Trey Turner. You got just you got veterans, Justin Turner. Bellinger's had a terrible season, but maybe he can rectify it with a strong postseason. Um, so a very strong lineup for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But could St. Louis pull it off? You got veterans in Yachty, Yachty or Molina. They acquired Nolan Arenado in the offseason for situations just like this to come up with a clutch hit. And it's a wait-and-see approach now. But another – this is when baseball – the playoffs in baseball are fantastic because you get a lot of afternoon games, which I love, midweek. Right after work, you hop into a baseball game. Love it. But also, it's you just look at the pitching matchups. That's what you're excited to see. And Max Scherzer and Adam Wainwright, Evaldi, Garrett Cole, that's, that's money, you know? And we already know two of the series. We're going to see White Sox, Astros, and then we'll see Brewers, um, Brewers on the other side against the Atlanta Braves. So Atlanta sneaks into the playoffs. The Brewers have been uh, consistent all season, even though the Cardinal, Cardinals have uh, played well down the stretch. The Brewers still in that division. So the Red Sox or Yankees will play the Rays. It could potentially, it could potentially be Dodgers against Giants in the National League Divisional Series, which is why it should be reseeding. These two teams are going to have 107 wins, 106 wins playing against each other. And then the Braves or Brewers are going to get to the NL Championship Series. It just doesn't sit right with me. They're not, they're not as good. You know, they both I, – I, Brewers don't have 100 wins. I know Atlanta – I think Atlanta might have 85. Looking here, I'll look it up. Atlanta finished with 88. Okay. Milwaukee, 95. But, you know, nine games back. That, it just doesn't make – doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think it could be rectified with reseeding, but nevertheless, that's how it works this season. And this is when baseball gets interesting. You get the playoffs going, you get that cooking. Can't wait to watch that this coming, uh, starting tomorrow night with with the AL wildcard game, pivoting Wednesday night into the NL wildcard should be a ton of fun. And we'll see what, what comes of it tomorrow. Um, the NHL is going through the preseason. We saw a lot of cuts this weekend, the opening round of cuts. Teams are still mulling through players, teams, uh, players still getting opportunities. We saw good moments where, you know, uh, New Brunswickers, Luca Cormier, Spencer Smallman got to address in preseason games. Smallman actually scored a goal, uh, got a few points on uh, Friday night, then sent back Saturday morning, but still you get that opportunity. You get to play in a game. So, quality opportunities 
But through all the post, uh, through the preseason talks and Michael Bunting becoming a national sensation, what really was the news of the weekend in the NHL was the Vancouver Canucks re-signing their two prize restricted free agents in Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. And these two players were working out with Brady Kachuk. They were at the University of Michigan, uh, you know, doing their thing, so to speak, just you know, working out, waiting to get, a, a, you know, the contract signed, sealed, and delivered. And we did see it get done. Uh, and the contracts go as follows. Elias Patterson signed a three-year deal at $7.35 million a season. Quinn Hughes signed a six-year contract at $7.85 million a season. So Pedersen, on his three-year deal, will become a restricted free agent after that, um, that third season. His last year of his contract, he's going to be making $10.29 million. So you take 80% of that after your third year of your RFA on your qualifying offer. So that's around $8.8 million on after that third year just when it comes to money that's what he'll be eligible that's where starting point will be on his next contract now would you have liked to assign both these players to long-term deals yes in a perfect world Pedersen is on a six-year deal with Quinn or you know both of them on eight-year deals in, in a real perfect world however sometimes the salary cap wins and you only have so much money. And that was the situation here for Vancouver. It was about getting these, these two players into camp and having your team ready to go. And Pedersen, $7.35 million is rich for what he's done so far in his career. Two, first two seasons were very impressive. He missed basically all of last season with an injury. But I've talked about it on the podcast. He's a brittle guy. Uh, he hasn't truly shown his power, his will to get to the front of the net. So he has some warts in his game that I don't love, but something you can't dock him is his shot. He's got a great shot. He's got, he's really quick with the puck. I think he's a, a power play magician. So you love that about his game. Hopefully he can continue to get stronger, improve in those areas, but you're not letting a guy you select in the top 10, just walk for nothing. And you, I mean, you see his potential on the, on the ice. Quinn Hughes, six-year deal times $7.85 million. Um, Again, I think it's a lot for what he's done in his career as well. But this is, for me, I just have to put this in my brain. I think for everybody, when they look at contracts, this is just how the NHL works now. You do not have to win. You don't have to get close to winning to get big money. Nathan McKinnon has never won a Stanley Cup. Austin Matthews has never won a Stanley Cup. Connor McDavid has never won a Stanley Cup. Some of the highest paid players in the game have never sniffed a Stanley Cup. None of those players or just named have been to a conference final, and most people would have them one, two, three in their play rankings. You could say, well, that's on their team. Okay. But I'm just, you make that much money. You don't have to win. You don't have to be Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane and earn contracts. You don't have to be, you know, you could look at early Alex Ovechkin, the same thing. He was making good money. He didn't, he didn't win anything till the tail end of his contract in Washington. So it's been that way for some time, but I also think it's frustrating when at least some player in, in Edmonton and Toronto's case, their superstars don't even get you know, don't even move past the first round when they're making that type of salary, which only makes the fan base more and more angry. But then you look at what has Pedersen and Hughes done? In the bubble, they made it to the second round. Game seven. Okay. Um, that's something, I guess. I Sports is about winning. And there are going to be players that make a a boatload of money that never win a thing. Look at the NFL. Jay Cutler made over $100 million in his career. The guy never won anything. The guy didn't even look like he liked football. But you can make a load of money because you're talented and you're hoping you can win. Randy Moss might be the most talented wide receiver in the history of the game. Never won a Super Bowl. Made it in 07. 
He didn't win. Undefeated season until until it was over. Um, so it's not. This is not just. You know, Mike Trout might be the most talented baseball player in the history of the sport. He's never won one playoff game, not a series. One playoff game. Take that for data, Leafs fans. That'll make you feel better about where your team stands, or New Jersey, or whoever. Dougie Hamilton got $9 million. He did make it to a conference final. He went deep. I'll give him that. But I, I talked about this a few weeks ago. Where do we, where's the barrier to winning and where you earn these big contracts? And that's so tough for me to decipher because for me, it's always winning. Sports is about, it's not just about you got to win. And Patrice Bergeron and Marshan Chara, they deserve bigger money than they made. But they wanted to have a chance to win, and they only won one. Now, they made it to three cup finals, but they won one. You could, you could at least say they won one. You know, they took less because they wanted to be able to compete year in and year out. McKinnon, at the time of his contract, and people talk about how great of a contract it is. Well, at the time, he for $6 million, that was rich. He had a great call. He won a Calder's his rookie year. His next two seasons were not great. Look them up. Again, uh, people love their, you know, maritime people around here. He wasn't that good in the second and third. Six million was a lot of money for the production he had put up. Now he's jumped and clearly Colorado believed that this guy could become the second best player in the world. But again, so for... For Pedersen and Hughes, these are big contracts, but they can be put to bed. And I've been talking about it for the last 10 minutes. How do you do that? You win. The Vancouver Canucks have an opportunity to be a really good team this season. Really good. Last year, I knew they were going to be terrible. But what have they done this off? They've gotten better. Oliver Ekman Larson makes, a, again, he's another guy who makes a lot of money. And he's done nothing in his career. When it comes to numbers, when it comes to winning, he has not done much to prove that. But he's got the potential. He's got the game. You like what he brings to the table. He's an upgrade over player X, who Vancouver had last season. He's better than the alternative. Connor Garland was a good addition. He brings a lot to the table. He's a small player, but he's got bite. And you know he's going to give you his best effort game in, game out. Pedersen and Hughes are the building blocks. These two players are the key to success. If you want to win a Stanley Cup, these two have to be the driving forces of that team. Of course, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, these players have to be integral. But your best players have to be your best players. I hate when there's analysts that will defend certain players when they stink and then they carve other ones. To me, this is how I'm gonna, I approach it. If you don't win and you come up small in big moments, you're going to hear about it from me. doesn't matter. If people think I'm hard on Toronto. I don't think I, I'm just like, I'm fair. If, if you stink, in, I have high expectations for Vancouver this season. I think Vegas is the best team in the Pacific division. However, I like Robin Leonard more than most people. Cause most people have a love affair with Marc-Andre Fleury. And now that, you know, Leonard pushed them out. Fake narrative. Uh, you know, there's skies falling in Vegas. Now, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. Plus they're in a weak division, but I still don't think they have a number one center. Vancouver does when Patterson's healthy, they have that step up on Vegas already. I like Vegas's D decor a hell of a lot more, but you will start to look at the depth of Vancouver. It's not terrible. It's gotten better over the years for sure. I mean, I'm just going to pull up the Vancouver Canucks roster. They have good pieces. I mentioned who they've already added this offseason, but they got some good talent. They got, they got a goalie. Thatcher Demko is a building block. They added Halak. I like what they have in net. I, my only worry really is what they added Jason Dickinson in the offseason from Dallas. I think the, he's a really good player. 
Uh, he, you know, he, he can, they added Tucker Pullman. He's a good ad. Luke Shen. I get, you got to hope he can play Besser. Can he score 40? I think he's got all the potential to do it with Pedersen. I put them on the same line. Pedersen in the middle, Besser on the right wing. They are going to score. Horvat, continue to do your thing. You know, Sutter, she, uh, she is on a, a PTO. You know, they need to hope, you know, maybe Niels Hoglander, who I like a lot as well, small little guy, but he brings it game in, game out. Maybe he can bring something to the table that we haven't seen yet. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I do think Vancouver has the potential to be a very good team. I think Vancouver can be better than Calgary. Edmonton gets a lot of the talk. I think Vancouver can very much compete with Edmonton and be right there with them. Because one thing Edmonton doesn't have is stability in that. I like Vancouver's stability in that a hell of a lot more. Demko, yeah, Mike Smith was great last year, but he's 40 years old. And once you get past Smith, it's, it's uh, Koskinen. Okay, check, please. Um, and I like Halak more than I like uh, – yeah, Halak didn't have a great season last year by any means. I like Jaroslav Halak more than I like Koskinen as a backup goaltender. And you have a plateau in Edmonton. Now they added, you know, they added, I like some of their ads, but I, I don't like that they lost Ethan Bear. I think that hurts. Duncan, they need to hope Duncan Keith can has, still has some game left at an elder age, which I think he does, but we'll see. But I think Vancouver can, can compete with every team in this. LA is not going to be a juggernaut. Anaheim is not, is not a great team. San Jose, whew, um, there's a lot of weak teams in this division. I do think it'll be intriguing. You got you got Seattle in there, a new team. I think Seattle is going to be better than, than people think. I personally, I made a bet this weekend that Seattle will make the playoffs. Um, I, I think they will. I think already Seattle is better than LA, Anaheim, San Jose. That's three teams in the division, and I think they can be better than Calgary. Because Calgary's just the same old Calgary Flames, like Goodrow and Monahan and they don't do anything to you know, Blake. I like Blake Coleman as a player. Again, they give him a, he earned that money. I'll get, I'll give them that, you know, they signed him to a big deal, but he just won two Stanley cups and was integral part of doing it. So I can't slam them too much for awarding a player that, that has earned it. Unlike, you know, X amount of players across the league. But again, Vancouver is an interesting team for me to watch this year. I want to see how they, how they play game in game out and they start their season i believe on wednesday uh, week from wednesday so i was looking at the schedule i'm gonna do the we're doing the preview show this week and one thing we're gonna do is talk about the team we're most excited to watch and i'm not going to tell you who mine is tonight save that tease that for wednesday but it's a team you're not expecting i'll tell you that it's not vancouver uh i'm i'm happy to watch them they play the oilers on that wednesday night but you got the first two nights, you got Tampa, uh, Pittsburgh at Tampa. They'll raise the banner. Pretty good game. And you got the Kraken at Vegas, two expansion teams. Then that Wednesday night, you got Montreal, Toronto, of course. Rangers, Capital. That's screw Montreal. That's the game of the night. Rangers, Capitals at Ryan Reeves back in the back in the fold playing against Tom Wilson. That's if you're going to watch one game Wednesday night, it's not Montreal, Toronto. Sorry, these fans. Then you got. Blackhawks, Avalanche, another really intriguing game to me. Canucks, Oilers, Jets, Ducks. But I'm going to say who the, who I'm most intrigued to watch this season. Um, I'll give you a hint. They're front. They're an Eastern Conference team. If you think you know who I'm talking about, leave it in the comments. And if you're right by Wednesday, I will shout you out personally. Uh, and I'll say that you you got it. But it's an Eastern Conference team. Don't just guess every team. One guess, so it's fun. Uh, and if you can guess the team, then yeah, I'll give you the credit. And uh, but yeah, it it's a team that again, I don't think anybody's gonna expect me to say this, but be prepared for for Wednesday. Casey and Seamus will also say their team they're most excited to watch, but um, I don't think you'll see this one coming. Um, another restricted free agent who still remains unsigned is Brady Kachuk. The Ottawa Senators and his agents are still working towards getting an extension done, but to this point, there's nothing. Brady is still restricted for agents, still skating at the University of Michigan. 
And as we get closer, you know, they start their season on Wednesday. It might be Thursday. I'm, I'm probably wrong. I think it's th- sorry, it's Thursday night, uh, a week from Thursday, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. Um, it gets more and more pressure because Brady Kachuk is so integral to the Ottawa Senators roster. They have guys that you can be said about Drake Batherson, Shane Pinto. They could hope can take a next step. Jacob Bernard Docker on the back end, Brandstrom. Uh, but it's a very young team, and up front. They get very, very thin in a hurry. They need him to be everything, you know. They need Brady Kachuk there. Tim Stutzla is great. You know, he's a great player, but he he can't do it alone. You know, he can't do it alone. And I, I think we'll see what transpires here, but they need he's the driving force of the team. I think he's the future captain of this franchise. And Shabbat signed for eight times eight. And I understand why Kachuk's not signing that deal because Shabbat is, you know, looks like he, he gets better year over year. And I'm sure he'll he'll be work. He sees guy, you see guys like Jones and Wierenski and Quinn Hughes signed for just you know a little under what, what Shabbat's making. Um and Quinn Hughes signed for six, Shabbat signed for eight. Uh, and you know, defensemen and Dougie Hamilton and uh, Colton Pareko signed for these big contracts. Well, Kachuk is like, well, my brother's getting nine. He probably thinks he's better than his brother. You know, I'm seeing player X get this and player X get this. And he's also got to think if he signs a long-term deal, the salary cap is going to go up in the next two to three seasons. When COVID's finally done, probably will still be restrictions here in New Brunswick in two years. But when the rest of the world is open and, you know, players, you're going to events again and full crowds, guess what? TV revenue with ESPN signing a new deal. Salaries are going to go up. And Brady Kachuk does not want to be stuck there holding the bag. Now, this sounds very ludicrous in saying, well, he could make $8 million a year over eight years. That's $64 million. But it's, it's about making the most, the most money that you can. And could he be a, I don't think he's a $10 million player. I like him at eight, but maybe it's structured differently. Maybe he gets a longer, you know, more money towards the end of his deal. So that when he gets, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to work that out, but I understand why maybe it's a lot of signing bonus, which Ottawa is reluctant to do because they don't like to spend money up front because they're cheap and their owner is a buffoon. But Eight times eight is not going to work, clearly. I think that, you know, Darren Jagger reported two, three weeks ago that he was offered that, and he said no. So as important as it was for, I think it's more important that the Vancouver guys were signed, personally, because I think Vancouver has a much better chance of having a big impact this season, make the playoffs, make some noise, than Ottawa. But Ottawa can still be a factor. They're not a pushover team. They're a team that's interesting. Um, But... You need Brady Kachuk. He's the heartbeat of that locker room. You do not want him sitting out games to start the season because when he does get signed, he's got to skate. He's got to get back. When he comes back and he's late, no training, he's not going to be that good. Players rarely are. We saw how William Nylander came back that season. It was not good. You want your players there, at least for he can play one exhibition game this week would be ideal for the Ottawa Senators. And looking at their schedule – this week in the preseason, uh, I know that I believe they're playing this evening against Toronto, which I'm sure there's a few of you watching that game. They play tonight against Toronto. Then they have tomorrow, they're idle tomorrow. Wednesday, they're idle. Thursday, they play in Montreal. So there's that game. And then I believe their last preseason is Saturday. Yeah, it is. It's... Saturday against Toronto. So you have two games because tonight's over to get into a game. And to me, it's, it's really important that he gets into a game and um, is ready to go on opening night because you want him there. And a week from Thursday, you want Brady Kachuk in your lineup. If you are a Pierre Dorian, if you are, uh, if you're just DJ Smith, if you're the Ottawa Senators, you want him there. 
So imperative that you get that deal done. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of progress in the Jack Eichel front. Um, he, he's not, you know, they're still at odds in Buffalo where he wants to have a, they want him to have a disc replacement. He wants the fusion surgery. And I think Jack Eichel's petulant. I, I agreed with the Buffalo Sabres stance on removing the captaincy. However, I think it's time the NHLPA gets involved here. I think it's ridiculous that a player got a second opinion and cannot get a surgery that he wants because the team says, no, we want you to get this. I think that's completely, you know, people are complaining about the vaccine and how you can't control your own body. Well, I'll talk about not controlling your own body. This is an unreported story. Okay, you want to get a surgery, but you can't because the team said no. Well, for all those anti-vaxxers, maybe look at this scenario. Shut up about your own world problems, which are very little. Um, you're, it's your body, and they're telling you that you can't get this surgery. I'll tell you, I know my personality. I would be fucking livid to see... To say, okay, I want this surgery. I've talked to doctors that I trust, not that work for you. Because clearly Eichel does not trust the Sabres organization, which to be honest, I can't blame him. And he said, I want to make my own decision. I want to have my surgery. I want to do this. Not what you want to do. I think this is the best route. And Buffalo saying no. Well, how long is this going to last? Because guess what? Eichel's season's over. The season's a wash. Whoever trades for him, if somebody does, He's not playing this year. So whatever surgery he gets, he's not going to be back. So I, it's up in the air right now what's going to happen in Buffalo. And they're going to be a terrible – they're competing with Arizona to see who will be the worst team. You know, they, the only thing you could say that they have is a number one overall pick in Rasmus Dahlin. I think Jacob Chikrin is actually a better defenseman than Dahlin down in Arizona. But – Neither team has a lot to celebrate. You know, we're hearing, you know, Arizona pop up, Alex Galchenia. That's where they're at right now. You know, Buffalo is in a deep, dark hole as well. But I find it ridiculous that a player does not have control of their own body. And I believe if Jack Eichel wants this surgery, he should be able to get it. And again, I, I think the NHL player so she has to step in and do something about it. the NHL has to release a statement because this is it, as long as this continues to linger, it's just going to get more and more cloudy, and it's still going to be a story about Buffalo where, okay, yeah, you remove remove the captaincy, but he's still in your roster, and he's still sitting and you're still paying him to not play, and they're at an impasse, but it's ugly in Buffalo, and. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how's this going to stem, but you know, the NHL season is, uh, it'll be, it's the, a week tomorrow. It's exciting. We're going to see the Kraken come to the NHL, see Tampa raise their banner a week from tomorrow, but get hockey back with football, with the baseball playoffs. October is one of the best months of the, of the sports calendar. Cause you have so much going on with NBA kick off a couple weeks after the NHL. So lots of fun happening, you know, for, for Canadian teams are going to be playing at home. And I think every Canadian city other than Toronto and Vancouver, maybe, or I don't, I think it's Toronto and one other one, they can have full barns, which is fantastic the way it should be. You know, if you have to be vaccinated, again, if you have to be vaccinated to go into a rink, then so be it. You don't want it again. I'm not going to do the whole vaccine talk again because it's probably listeners that aren't vaccinated and I don't want to lose you as a listener. But at the same time, I think it's just, you know, I'm still alive and I got the vaccine. I already had the microchip on me. It's called Facebook. You do anything in, in your life that the government, whoever the, knows what you're doing because they send you ads from shit that you're doing that day. Newsflash. Uh, but Nevertheless, it's going to be exciting to see full barns in Canada, get some fans back in there. Uh, but, uh, you know, here in New Brunswick, we're still under lock and key uh, for now before we probably get locked down or something soon because uh, because of you, you, 
God knows what. So we'll see what happens, but exciting to see the NHL barns get full. Um, college football this weekend was, you know, really fantastic. Uh, I talked a lot about it last week with Matt Wright, but what we learned this weekend, really a couple things, Alabama and Georgia are just flat out dominant. You know, I, we, I propped up the games, you know, Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, Ole Miss, that they're going to be close. We might see some interesting games, SEC football. It didn't turn out to be close at all because Alabama and Georgia just did their thing. Georgia shut out an opponent for the second straight week. Arkansas did not get a point. Neither did Vanderbilt. Alabama crushing Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin making some very questionable coaching decisions, going for on fourth down, three straight drives, all you know, not converting, especially going for a fourth down on his own 26. And you know, you could say that cost him the game. The game blew wide open. And Alabama just ran the ball down their throat. Now, Georgia, their offense has not looked great yet. They're kind of rotating quarterbacks and Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels, but it doesn't matter who's playing. Their defense is just so elite. You can't run the ball against them. They're, they're getting to the quarterback. And Georgia, to me, is the best team in the nation. I get Alabama won the national championship last year, so they'll be ranked number one. But to me, head to head, Georgia would win that game. I believe Alabama has the better quarterback. But I believe Georgia can get to the defense. They can force some turnovers. I'm intrigued to watch that game as we get into later in the season. But the surprising thing, SEC football, you get Texas A&M, you know, Arkansas, Ole Miss, these great teams, you know, on paper, LSU, Auburn. But the other undefeated team in the SEC is Kentucky. Kentucky beat Florida on Saturday night. Kentucky is undefeated 5-0. and and a great story for Kentucky, you know, a basketball school who has never really had an elite football program and they are undefeated. And I, I love it for them, you know, just to see a team, an upstart team like Kentucky compete with these big schools, be five and all for the first time, I believe like 30 years. And now they head into their, they might, uh, they play LSU this weekend, a big opportunity for Kentucky. They're now ranked 16th. Uh, and you know, Texas, they, you know, Texas A&M was ranked inside the top 10 just to, they lose back-to-back games. So they lost to Mississippi state. Uh, now they play Alabama this weekend. So good luck there, but good for Kentucky. The Oregon ducks who were in the top four fell this weekend to Stanford in overtime. Stanford gets a touchdown with no time left on the clock to go to overtime. And really, I look at Oregon, they have a good defense and Noah Sewell came on Thibodeau, but they I look at quarterback as their big fault. You know, that was the way that they couldn't generate enough offensively. Too many three and outs. Tough weekend for the Pac-12 in general. UCLA gets destroyed by Arizona State. Fresno State loses. So that it's a really open season there. BYU being the only great Pac-12 team. They're ranked 10th in the nation. Uh, then you have uh, Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter. Big performance by that young man. Gutsy throwing the ball deep, scrambling. He gets a win in South Bend, Cincinnati beating Notre Dame. And I believe it's the biggest victory in school history. I, that program with the win, they are now fifth. They are ranked fifth. They are a game out of the college football playoff. And just to put this in perspective, Iowa and Penn State, who are ranked three and four, play this weekend. So if Cincinnati can beat Temple this week, this Friday night, they are likely going to be in the top four come next Monday. Cincinnati. Uh, and it's exciting to see, you know, Ohio State's back in it now. They're ranked seven. Michigan State's undefeated. They're ranked, they're ranked 11th. They got Rutgers this week. Oklahoma is sixth. They got Texas, a big, big game for them as they narrowly avoided a loss to K-State. As Ryder and I both said that would be an interesting game. Wake Forest is undefeated. They are ranked 19th. But this weekend, big games, Georgia-Auburn. I believe Georgia will continue their dominance. Auburn has looked good. I mean, the game of the, game of the day is Penn State-Iowa. I just said two uh, Big Ten schools. Both have been fantastic this season. We'll see who can come out on top. Michigan-Nebraska. Nebraska's been a, a, a team that's fought all season long. But we'll see what uh, if Michigan can continue. They're ranked ninth. Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines are ranked ninth undefeated. Uh, but College football continues to be more and more interesting. And what I love about it 
is it's less about quarterback play. It's not about Spencer Rattler. It's not about Sam Howell. It's not about, not about Bryce Young. It's about the rest. It's about the best teams. Georgia's quarterbacks are forgettable, but they've got great teams. You look at Iowa. Uh, Iowa. Shane Petra is not exactly a great quarterback. Sean Clifford, I don't believe, will be an NFL quarterback, but these teams are going to be in the mix. And Penn State, Iowa on Saturday, the 5 p.m. game is a must watch. So we'll talk about that later in the week. We'll get into everything. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. You'll have two in your uh, uh, podcast feed, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So check out these two episodes. I'll be back with Seamus tomorrow a little bit later than usual. But we will have the Breaking Bad podcast out for you tomorrow. And then we'll have the NHL preview show on Wednesday. So get ready to hear all about this season's uh, this, this season in the NHL. But until tomorrow, have a great night, everybody. Enjoy the Monday Nighter, and we'll talk soon.